Well, we are about to embark on this journey of the Enneagram. Uh, last week, we kind of did an overview of where we're going. Today, we really start to, to dive in and dig into uh, this topic. And if you've done any work with the Enneagram, uh, you will see that the Enneagram is not something that you learn overnight. Uh, the Enneagram actually has its roots all the way back to the 4th and 5th uh, century B.C., it was actually something that has been fine-tuned and worked on over the centuries. There have been iterations of it that go so far back, hundreds of generations. In the most modern times, in about 1915, what we use now as the Enneagram was first introduced into the modern world. And then in the 60s and the 70s, it gained some popularity. And then again, in recent years, there's been a resurgence of understanding the Enneagram. And the reason why I think it, it is so popular is because studies tell us, and a lot of times, like, to be fair, it's probably coming from people who use the Enneagram, but studies do tell us that about 75% of what we get out of this personality inventory is accurate to who we are. And that actually is a lot for a test like this. When you hear that 75% is accurate, that's actually a lot, uh, an accurate test. It's actually high for a test like this. It's popular because it's comprehensive, but it's also overwhelming. There's so much information to try and consume and to understand. And, and so as I mentioned before in the announcements, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have Frank Broyles here. And if you want to know more about your number, about numbers in general, I encourage you to really dig into this and come to that study that's going to happen on the, the 20th and the 27th of October, Wednesday nights, 7 to 8.30, because Frank will, will really dig into this with you. Um, so that's one, one resource that's available to you to understand this more in addition to the sermon. Um, the other thing that I would tell you is that primarily I'm using material from the Enneagram Institute, a, a free resource that you can look at, and it's a great resource that is available to you. And then another one that I found is there's a woman, uh, her name is Jean Schultz, and she wrote about the Enneagram last summer, and I've been taking some of my material from, from Jean's work as well. So that's where I'm getting a lot of the material in addition to uh, obviously scripture and what we're going to be looking at uh, as we dig into the Enneagram. So now some say the Enneagram is great. Some people love the Enneagram, and they love it because the more you dig into it, the more you understand the world around you through the Enneagram, the more you learn about yourself and the more you see the way God has made you. That's why people love it. The more you see yourself and how God has, has made you, the more you see that, the more you see your gifts, you see your talents, you see your passions, you see your personality, all of that coming. And then as Christians, we say, how can we then take that and serve God in the world around us? And that's one of the reasons why people love the Enneagram is because it gives us all this information. There are others, however, to be fair, who are concerned about the Enneagram. Because when they look at the Enneagram, they're too afraid that we're going to put too much stock in the Enneagram. And if you're not careful, you can find yourself starting to trust the Enneagram rather than trusting Jesus, putting your faith in Him, or trusting Scripture and how Scripture is, has the ability to reform our lives. We can start putting our trust in the Enneagram rather than in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Scripture, to give you a better understanding of who you are. So that is a concern. So we want to be careful of that. So what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're going to take the Enneagram and we're going to put the Enneagram under the authority of Scripture. So the Enneagram is going to be something that we use, but it's going to go under the authority of Scripture. We're going to use this powerful tool that God has given to us and we're going to understand how God has made us all understanding the authority of Scripture. If you think about it this way, if you think about your life, your life is a building. 
and um, God is helping you and you are building your life and you're building this in your life. Every day you breathe is another day you're working on this building. And the Bible is really the architect's plans. They're the plans that the architect has given to us to understand how to build this building. What the Enneagram is, is the Enneagram is like a tool. It's like a hammer that you're going to use in the process of building. It's not the plans. The plans are scripture, but the Enneagram is a tool. It's the hammer that you can use. We want to pick up the Enneagram and we want to use it as a way to help us build this beautiful house that God is making within each and every one of us. So how do we use the Enneagram as a people, as a way to grow as people? Well, the first step is to know your number. The first step in this whole process is to understand your number. So I want to ask you, have you taken the quiz yet? Have you taken the time to do the quiz yet? Many of you have already taken the quiz. In fact, as of this morning, uh, we've got it online. Uh, there's a f probably a little over 20 of us have taken the Enneagram, which is a great number. Uh, 20 of us is, have done it so far, which I think is awesome. But by judging the people in the room and what I know to be the people that would be online listening right now, uh, that's, that, I don't know what the number would be, but we don't have everybody with their number sitting here listening to me talk this morning. Right now, some of you probably haven't made the time to, to do that, and that's okay, but I would encourage you to do that. If you haven't done it already, go to the website, go to the page, go to the link that's right there on the main page, go to our Bible app, and you can look under events, and you'll see it. It's right there. Go to this place and take the, take the test, take the inventory, take it today. You're going to want to understand your number because that's the way you're going to get the most out of this series. Taking the inventory is the best way to do that. Now, once you know your number, once you have your number, then you can begin to apply the Enneagram to your life and to your walk with God. You can begin to do that. So each week, we are going to explore the different types to learn about ourselves, but also to learn about how we interact with each other. So not just the way we interact with ourselves, but understanding the way we interact with others. That's the beauty of the Enneagram ser the, the series. Today we're going to talk about ones and twos. We're going to talk about reformers, and we're going to talk about helpers. Those are the two we're going to talk about. But if you're not a one or a two, and you're just listening to that today, that's okay. Because you're going to learn today what makes ones and twos tick. You're going to learn how they've been designed by God. You're going to learn about what makes a one and a two afraid. And you're going to learn about the best way that you can interact with a one and a two in the future. So what do we know about type ones? Let's start there. What do we know about type ones? Type ones are called the reformer. They're, they're called the reformer. That's its title. Because the, the type ones have a sense of mission. They're on mission. They are, they are goal-driven. They, they, they have a mission. And there's something that is driving them that, that they want to improve the world. They're on a mission to improve the world, and they're going to use whatever amount of influence they have in the world to accomplish that mission. Whatever God has given them as far as influence, they are going to use. Ones are going to use their influence to be on mission. God has made ones to be trustworthy. He's made them to be honest and to be just. Ones are usually very conscientious. They're ethical people with a strong sense of right and wrong. They're often teachers. They're often crusaders. They're often advocates for change. The Enneagram Institute says that history is full of ones who have left comfortable lives to do something extraordinary because they felt that there was a higher calling placed upon them. As we look back through history, we can see during the Second World War, there was a Swedish architect named Raoul Wallenberg. 
If you know his story, Raul, he left a comfortable middle-class lifestyle to work for the protection of thousands of European Jews who were being invaded by the Nazis. In India, Gandhi left his wife and his family and a life as a successful lawyer to become an itinerant advocate of Indian independence and nonviolent social change. Joan of Arc left her village in France to restore the throne uh, of the dolphin and to uh, expel the English from the country. The idealism of ones is scattered throughout history, and ones inspire people. They've inspired millions throughout the years. Now, at their core, uh, the ones are in the reformer category, the people in this reformer category, they, um, they desire to do good, and they fear being bad. One's desire to do good and they fear being bad. They feel that they might somehow be corrupted or, or be wrong. They don't like to be wrong. At their best, uh, reformers are extraordinarily wise and they're discerning. They are humane and they are inspiring and they are hopeful. They believe what they say. When, when they say words, they expect that people are going to see that they're talking truth. At their best, they are matched up and they're just speaking truth. They believe that the truth of what they're saying is going to be heard by the people around them. At their worst, however, at their worst, reformers can be obsessive. And they can be obsessive about imperfection and the wrongdoing of other people. That's a caution for ones. Obsessive, compulsive, and sometimes depressive personality disorders are common for type ones. So here's what a one needs to hear from God. This is where we drill down. This is what a one needs to hear from God. You are justified just as you are. You are justified just as you are. If you're a one here today, or if you know someone who might be a strong one, the message for you today is that you are good. You are good as a Christian, when we invite Jesus to take up residency within our lives, when we decide to put Jesus first in our life, when we commit our lives to a path that follows in the footsteps of Jesus, when we believe that Jesus died for our sins and that we are no longer having to carry that burden, we are justified because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because of Christ in you, he makes you good. He makes you righteous. Nothing else will do that. Nothing else can ever do that. So ones, we have to let go of perfection, thinking you can do it. Ones, you have to let go of that perfection, thinking you can do it. You don't make you good. Jesus makes you good. And once a one embraces that, all bets are off. When a one embraces that understanding, all bets are off. In fact, if you want a scripture that you can hold on to that'll be meaningful for you, meaningful for you, and something that you can hold on to, memorize this scripture, right? Memorize Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. It says this. It says, for by one sacrifice, he has been made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy. What does that mean? What does that mean? Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was perfection. Jesus' sacrifice was perfection. No one could do any more to make us any more holy than what Jesus has already done. And so accepting his perfect sacrifice is accepting that you can't do any better. You can't do it any better. But that doesn't matter because Jesus has already done it, and he's done it for you. You can never do anything to be more perfect. God has already done 
all the work. For you ones out there, through Jesus, God makes you good. That's what a one needs to hear. And so you take your desire for perfection, you take your honesty and your integrity, and you submit it under what Jesus has already done for you. You put it under the authority of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And now in the world, you can be wise. You can inspire those around you with your moral code, without fear, without anxiety of ever being corrupted or bad, because Jesus has made you good, and he's done that perfectly. You are justified just as you are. That is the type one. That is the reformer. What do we know about type two? Type two, a little bit of background. The type two is called the helper. It's called the helper. Because people of this type are genuinely helpful to other people. Being generous, going out of their way is what makes a number two feel the richest. They, in fact, oftentimes number twos, when they look at all the other Enneagrams, they're like, mine's the best. Because it makes them feel so good to give and, and to help other people. It's not just pride. They just feel that there's this meaningful way to live. There's just the richest and the most full way to live. The concern and the, the love that they feel for others, the, the genuineness by which they do things, it warms their hearts as twos, and it makes them feel worthwhile. So God has made twos to be generous. He's made twos to be sacrificial and empathetic. Service is their middle name. Service is the middle name of a two. They want to care for others and they want to give to others out of what they've been given. If you're looking for a good mental picture of what a two looks like, think of that really good parent. That good parent that all of us want. We might not have had, but all of us want that good parent. That parent that, uh, that's someone who, who sees you just as you are. Someone who takes time to listen and understand you with compassion. Someone who helps and encourages you with, with patience and, and love and someone who's always willing to offer a helping hand, but yet they're willing to pull their hand back when they know that you can do it on your own. There's wisdom there. Helpers at their core, they desire to be needed and they desire to be loved. When they are healthy and in balance, twos are loving, they're helpful, they're generous and, and they're considerate. It's been said that that people see twos and they're drawn to twos like, twos like bees to honey. They build others up with their appreciation and with their attention and, and they help others see qualities within themselves that, the, uh, that others might not have even seen or known were there. But twos can also be unhealthy. And when a two is unhealthy, he or she can be given to pride. They manipulate others and people to get their own needs. And they have a tendency to become over-involved in the lives of other people. The biggest fear of a two is being unwanted or being unworthy of being loved. And such a fear drives deep into the heart of a helper. And that's why helpers, number twos, they, they desire to hear God say, I want you just as you are. I want you as you are. A two wants to hear God say, you are wanted and you are loved. You are wanted and you are loved. In fact, you are so valuable to me, Jesus says, that I'm willing to lay down my life for you. My life, my death, my resurrection. I will take care of all of your needs. 
Jesus says. That's how much I love you. If you are a two, you desire to be wanted. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son into the world to die for you. Let God's model for love be the model that you use when you love others. You can love others because you know how much God loves you. He's laid down his life for you. A scripture verse you might want to hold on to is Proverbs 11.25, and it says this, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. God has generously and graciously loved you, and, and he's given his life for you. In the strength of who you are, in, in who God has made you to be, you can now go and you can love others and you can share generously because of what God has done for you. Take that generosity that you've been given and give it away to others. Refresh others and you will yourself be refreshed. So that's a one, or that's a two rather. We've heard about a one and we've heard about a two. These are the different types that we've talked about today. So now the question is, what's next? How do ones and how do twos live into their one and two-ness, for example? How do they do that? Well, here's some practical advice. There's a lot more we can drive into, and Frank will probably get into this in his study uh, in later on in this, this month. But I want to tell you this, just for now, ones, if you're a one and you're listening to me today, or if you're here and you're a one, here's what you need to do. You need to relax. If you're a one, you need to relax. You need to make time for yourself without feeling that everything's up to you. Or that if you don't do something, the whole world is going to collapse and, and fall apart. Thankfully, the salvation of the world is not dependent upon you. That's why Jesus came. We just, ones, we just need to relax. You are good enough. You are good enough because of Jesus. Trust in God's process of making you holy. He's making you holy to help you use the gifts, to use the gifts under the truth that God loves you. So ones, you just learn to relax. And twos, you need to remember that it's important for you to address your own needs. It's important for you to address your own needs. As a helper, you often are running around helping other people. You're doing this, you're doing that. You're pouring out your life to fill up the other cups of the people around you. You're always doing that and the people around you. But if you don't take time to fill up your own cup, if you don't take time to fill up your own cup, you will have nothing left to give out. And if you do that, that's going to frustrate you and it's going to frustrate the people around you. And you're not going to be working to your max potential of the way God has made you to live. And so get the rest you need. Take care of yourself. And remember, it's not selfish for you to take care of you before attempting to take care of others. That's actually godly. It's a good thing to do. Jesus was often found retreating to get away by himself for a little bit so he could recharge and then go out and do and serve and care for others. You can do the same. It's okay for you to take time for yourself. God has made us unique. Each and every one of us, all of us, our personalities, our passions, our hopes, and our desires, our skills, and our abilities, they all come together to form who we are. And so learning the different types of how the Enneagram helps us to understand ourselves better and gives us a chance it gives us a chance to be affirmed by God. And so learn about yourself. So for you ones out there, again, I'm going to tell you, 
relax. And for you twos out there, take care of yourself. And for the rest of you, if you don't know yet what number you are, uh, please go to the website and check it out. And if you do know what your number is, take a look because if you did the survey, I've sent you a list of what numbers we're going to be covering and when we're going to cover them over the next month. And so I encourage you, make sure you mark your calendar to be here on that day as well so you can learn about yourself in this, uh, dive, in this very particular way. So take the quiz, get your number so that you can better connect with God and so that all of us can glorify God with our personalities. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father God in heaven, I thank you. Uh, you are so good to us. Uh, Holy Spirit, you are uh, here in our midst and you are calling us to account and you're teaching us about our personalities. And I pray that you would keep doing that work within us. Lord, help us to learn through the survey. Lord, help us to learn through the message. Help us to learn through talking and, and just learning about ourselves in various ways. Lord, we thank you for your presence. And we pray, God, uh, for you to guide us all of our days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.